This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings coming at you from Flag is Up Farms in Southern California. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 28th, episode 1902, brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, Horse World. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we can go again. And away we go. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome any new listeners. I know we had a lot of new people listening over the weekend at the Road to the Horse coverage, and we appreciate you stopping by. We are the world's most popular morning show for the horse world. I think we're the only morning show okay. for the horse world. But, but we have dead. been around for 1,800, <laughs> 1900 episodes now. So uh, we're still here. So somebody's listening. So we appreciate you. <laughs> we appreciate you being here. We're the best live radio <laughs> show right. for horse people That's in it. the morning we are. in the world. There's no question about that. See, nobody can even Ever. argue that. Ever. In the history of Horse World. It's impossible to That's argue true. that. If you're here for very serious training and no fun at all, then this is not the show for you. You want to <laughs> you want to listen to something else. We have we 17 shows on the we, Horse Radio we Network. We don't have one like that, though. Yeah, we, we don't do. have one that's not fun. Really? Yeah, they're all fun. But, you know, horsemanship gets into more training. And, you know, there's other shows that do a lot more training stuff than we do. We're here to take a look at the Horse World as a whole here at uh, Horses in the Morning Show. And I think we do that pretty well. And today, we talk about health and stuff. Jimmy's going to tell us about that. But first, Andrew Hoy had quite a weekend. He's an eventer over there in England. And uh, he was at Gatcom horse trials over the weekend. And he was coming in and he was in the top five and had a chance of winning. And um, he, uh, he had quite a show jumping around because this little terrier dog decided to get loose from its owner and chase his horse the whole way around. In show jumping? The show jumping. Not cross country, show jumping. This is in the intermediate, which means they're jumping pretty good sized jumps, right? In intermediate. Yeah, so he's jumping pretty good sized jumps and he's going around show jumping and this little dog chased him the entire way and he went clear. So, what? Yep. He ended up in, uh, coming in third place after going clear. Uh, and it, the dog, literally, there's pictures. The dog stayed at the horse's heels the whole way around. <laughs> it was incredible. Oh, my gosh. I think it's 3-9. <laughs> I think I screwed up. Vasily de Lassos or something like that is the name of the horse. Uh, and uh, Vasily should be uh, commended because that's quite a feat. Uh, he said, but the dog was focused on him. It was right on the heels. The further we got around the course, the closer the dog got. I was thinking, I hope the dog doesn't bite him. <laughs> Can you imagine your Zeus the Mustang if the dog was chasing him around stadium? <laughs> so if a dog got loose in my stadium round, okay, so, you know, you come in, you do a little, like, nod to the judge, and you pick up your canner, and you start to head. And, and at that point, if the dog got loose, we'd probably make it 
through jump one and then I'd have to make like a turn to get to jump two. And that is where Zeus would stop and proceed to stomp whatever dog. Like <laughs> I would not be a factor anymore. Uh, I mean, he st- he will st- lucky wandered out into his field one time and he chased lucky out of the field. <laughs> Poor thing. Uh, so yeah, that's that's. Um, well, a- Andrew was, said he heard the the lady calling out to the dog the entire round. He said the dog's name was Jasper because he heard her Jasper! calling out to <laughs> Jasper, 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 Jasper. Apparently, Andrew actually brought the dog back to her after the round, or Andrew's groom did because the, he had left and the dog was still with the horse. Oh so. my gosh. <laughs> That sucks. I mean, you know, like as a as a spectator, how horrible for your. Do- I mean, it, you know, accidents happen, but my God, woman, get a grip. <laughs> Andrew said, "If if that horse can cope with that, he can probably cope with anything." <laughs> <laughs> now, did you see the video of the? It's the Monday video on Eventing Nation, and it is a guy, and his name is Dan Sibley. And he's on a beach and he's a British event rider. And there's like a little like kind of built in down bank. And there's some puddles that are on the backside of the down bank. So he goes cantering up to this puddle to this like drop into the water and thinks he's just going to canter off. Let me make this a word of caution. If you see a drop jump into water, that's not already been inspected on a cross country course. Oh, I hear what's coming. Trot, trot through it first, oh, just no. to see what's on the de- like. This to me would be the big. This is the biggest Especially fail of an beach. event rider. Uh, yeah, the biggest yeah. epic fail of an event rider. There could be garbage in there. There could be glass, or there could be a bottomless pit. And he goes cantering up and jumps off this bank. This brave horse chief jumps into the water and disappears. Oh no! There was a big I, hole. It was like a huge hole or terrible footing. You can't really tell. And the person videoing is just cackling with laughter. And <laughs> uh, as a an eventer, that just that. Makes me crazy. I'm probably a little bit too cautious. I, no, but this has never happened to me because I wouldn't let it because I would trot up the bank first to just see what the water was doing. Um, but yeah, it's brutal. So if you want to see that. Did the rider come off the front? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, <laughs> catapulted. The horse disappears. The rider goes flying forward. I got to watch this one. Oh <laughs> my Where's gosh, that on Eventing Nation? Eventing Nation, it's like okay. the fourth or fifth video down right now. It's called Monday Video from Treadstep Ireland. Why you should look before you leap. <laughs> Maybe take a walk and, through it first or and he stick posted a toe in it. it. Yeah, on his own, exactly, walked through it. He posted it on his own Facebook page, and he wrote, we're very lucky this time. We definitely will not be jumping into beach puddles again anytime soon without checking first. Well, he learned his lesson. (laughs) You should have done that in the first place, you moron. I don't know you, but that was very irresponsible. He learned his lesson. He learned (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jemmy, what are we doing on today's show? On today's show, we hear how you, Jamie, and Zeus did over the weekend. The Purina Horse Health Report brings us Dr. Erica Latcher of Spring Hill Equine, who talks about vaccines and horses. Reese Koffler-Stanfield stops by because she is special. In fact, we're supposed to be hanging out here in the next 
few days, which makes me feel very special. Uh, Tara Carter gives us the details on the HRN Ranch Horse Weekend in New Mexico. And Jamie reads Chapter 24 of The Opium Equation, so you don't want to miss any of it. It's a packed show as always today, guys. And speaking of today, and Glenn, you're going to love this. It's National Black Forest Cake Day. Oh. Did you have any on your last trip through Epcot, Uh I think I had I had some on the cruise, and maybe we did have some on the last trip through Epcot, I believe. Because we yes, we did because we were we ate at Germany. You're right, we did. And you celebrated early. Yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, get out there and eat your cake, people. My Daily Winnie, by the way, Daily Winnies for new listeners are our just chance to give a shout-out to whoever we'd like to give a shout-out to. And I'm giving a shout-out to our new auditors. We have a bunch of them over the last week. We have Graham, Shelley, Amy, Kristen, and Denise. So if all of you have not requested to join the HRN Auditors Facebook page, you should. Just search for HRN Auditors on Facebook and request to join, and we'll add you in there. Uh, it's it's uh, still the most active, uh, most fun, and safest Facebook page you're going to find on Facebook. Uh, and we don't steal your information, unlike Facebook. We won't steal your information. I'm not guaranteeing they they, they, they will. Might. They will, but we're we're not going to. But so welcome to all of them, and also a big thank you to Coach Jen and to Tara for their wonderful coverage over the weekend at Road to the Horse. They, Jamie, they talked for six and a half hours straight on Sunday without a break, no lunch. No, barely bathroom, uh, no food, pretty much. They just talked through the whole thing for six and a half hours straight. So good job to both of them. We're going to talk to Tara a little later in the day about something else, but we really appreciate both of their coverage. They did a great job. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking for three days. Well, good news, the missing Hillcrest horses have been found. Something went very viral in South Africa. In Durban, two Frisian horses were stolen last Tuesday. I've been holding this story for a while because I just thought it was worth telling the story in the words of the daily news in South Africa. Okay, so I'm going to give you I'm going to I'm going to read it. Like I'm a reporter in South Africa, minus the accent, because I cannot. No, please South don't. Yeah, thank please. No, it's just, I, I won't even try. The two Frisian horses that were stolen on Tuesday night from the Shangwini Valley in the inland of Durban have been found. David Armstrong, the owner of horses, Amerina Gelding, was ecstatic when a farmer in Hammerdale notified him that the horses were grazing nearby. Armstrong's wife had gone to the farm and positively identified them. They are currently arranging for transport to take them back home. Armstrong is still trying to establish how they got out of his six-acre premises near Stonehaven Castle in Hillcrest. The horses were known to be used in therapeutic practices for children. The gelding Mind you, these are Frisians. The gelding is known as Vince, who is 11 years old and dark brown. Now, this is some, on a side note, this is some investigative journalism, okay? It's a brown Frisian, and the mare is called Riley, who is 13 years old, and it's pitch black in complexion. <laughs> Hundreds of concerned residents were also elated about the find. A Facebook page called Help Find Vincent Riley was created after they went missing and were stolen on Tuesday. The Frisian, also Fry Zion, is a horse that 
uh, is a horse breed originating in the Netherlands. Although the conformation of the breed resembles that of a light draft horse, Frisians are graceful and nimble for their size. They have said that a case of stock theft has been opened. Okay, let's back up. You got the color of the horse wrong, and I'm pretty sure that these horses got out. (laughs) (laughs) The whole place went crazy because these two Frisians, a brown Frisian, which Jemmy in real world doesn't happen because they're all black, um, in complexion. Maybe it was sun faded. Uh, (laughs) but this is the investigative journalism these horses are stolen oh by the way they were found like grazing on some farmer's property but they were stolen (laughs) open an identification i just thought it was worth reporting now i need a sound effect glenn oh i think i have one (laughs) man you are one pathetic loser Now, the Horse and Hound reports about something that happened in the U.S., in Miami. Do you guys remember when, in the nightclub, that chick on a bikini rode that white horse into the Miami nightclub? (laughs) Turns out it did. Yeah, exactly. It didn't actually buck her off. The horse was ridden into Mokai Lounge in Miami Beach and slipped and fell. That's how the shocker that the horse slipped and fell. But the um, nightclub was then closed uh, following the inhumane incident. And it just had its license reinstated after it agreed to pay $10,000 to an equine charity. So uh, apparently uh, the day after this happened, the city manager revoked the business license. They said it was dangerous to the animal and uh after a $10,000 donation to a local charity, you now can go back, Jimmy, and dance your heart away at the Mokai Lounge. <laughs> can I tell you how pathetic that is? I'm sorry, but bars and South Beach clubs, they make $10,000 an hour in their liquor sales alone. Like, that's nothing. That's a slap. That's the lightest slap on the wrist. I'm glad, heard. though, that the money went to a charity and not to the city. So it doesn't that. list what charity, so the it could be the could city uh, animal fund, like the city of South Beach. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> city of South Beach animal fund. Uh. The, like in Seinfeld, when they like donated to the human fund. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this week's health segment is brought to you by Purina Mills. Greatness never ages, so help your senior horses live their best lives with Purina Equine Senior Horse Feed. It has activated a proprietary prebiotic proven through years of research to support a senior horse's aging immune system. To learn more, visit purinamills.com backslash activeage. That's purinamills.com backslash activeage. And it is that time of the year where we need to start thinking about our spring vaccines. And we've got Dr. Latcher of Spring Hill Equine to talk to us. Uh, Good morning, Dr. Erica. Good morning. Can I just say that I question anybody's sanity who sits on a horse during shedding season in a bikini? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can say that. I am. I am so sorry. Okay. We forgot to bring that up with, about this whole story. I really am. I'm so <laughs> You're in a bikini and it's a white horse. Like, who's going to find you attractive after that? And and you know, oh, exactly. exactly right. And the photo of the horse, he is quite fuzzy. So 
you really uh you really oh, got into that oh. story. Sure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, so let's get on track here and talk a little bit about vaccines. I've got my vet appointment scheduled for two weeks from now. And Good for I, you. what what do my horses need? What what spring vaccines? Well, so a lot of that is very dependent on the part of the country that you live in. For instance, I am in Florida and we have the encephalitis. So that's the Eastern encephalitis in West Nile. We have them 24 seven, 365. Um, if you've ever been in a swampy area of Florida, you'll find that there are mosquitoes out the day after it's been 30 degrees. They, they have no mercy on our souls down here. Um, so we strongly, strongly, strongly recommend that horses get the encephalitis vaccines every six months. Um, if you have a show horse, they're also going to need the rhinopneumonitis and the influenza vaccines. Uh, and if they're showing in USEF sanctioned shows, they will have to have that vaccine every six months. Um, in addition, we, we recommend rabies for every horse once a year. Um, rabies in horses is a very different disease than what we've all read about in Cujo and, you know, Old Yeller and all of those um, horses get a low level colic for about three days before it becomes evident that something is weird here. So you've been exposed, your friends have been exposed, who've helped you with this, the vet's been exposed, you know, so we strongly recommend rabies vaccinations. Wait a um, second. There, I, not, I, I guess I didn't realize that that horses, the, their rabies, they not they're not frothing at the mouth trying to bite you like like old yeller because that's that's I think most people's experience with rabies is seeing old. Uh, let's not get to the end yep. of it, okay? Let's not ruin. Let's yeah, not no, no, spoil no, it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I I guess I I would have always thought that a horse would have been frothing at the mouth and and aggressive that's not at all what it is for horses no and in fact there there's two different kinds that we frequently see and and we don't see it a lot in the united states luckily but um there's two main ways that we see rabies in horses and one is that low level like you know, if you've got some vanamine, you may give it to them and you're like, ah, you know, if he doesn't get better, I'll call the vet, but they never really get bad, but they never really get better. And so eventually you call your veterinarian and we come out. And again, for us, we look at them and we say, yeah, you know, it's a bit of a colic, but we can't really put our finger on why they're not better. We do some things and usually in about two to three days, things change dramatically. And then we're looking at a horse that is getting into a little bit more of that aggressive stage. They become much more neurologic or wobbly, you know, ataxic is our fancy word for it. Um, and then we start saying, okay, something weird is going on here. Um, the other way that we see it that is also equally, um, you, you expose a lot of people basically is the problem you'll have a wound that your horse has and they itch it incessantly and nothing we do manages that itch. And that is actually the rabies virus traveling from that wound up the nerves toward the brain. Okay. So you've got this horse that has all of the, let's go back to the first one. So <laughs> as, as a vet, you're looking at eh, just kind of this kind of that. Is there a blood test? I mean, because I know that with like, possums or they have to go capture it and cut its head off and expect its brain. And we've had to do that too. It's ain't yep. fun. Ugh. 
Yeah. No, it's all. No, so- it's not fun. So what do you do with that's, horses? That's unfortunately that's the only way we know that a horse actually had had rabies as well. Um, we don't have a blood test for the disease at all, no matter what species it is. Um, and so, like I said, it ends up being our clinical judgment as we're watching this colic turn into something that is very not normal. Um, and that's it, it's they're very tough calls. They're very tough cases. It's an easy, very, very, very effective vaccine. And, you know, you don't want to get exposed to rabies. You don't want to have your kids exposed, your neighbor, your friends. You know, we all involve lots of people when something's weird with our horses because, you know, you have to call all your friends. Um, So lots of people get exposed when horses have rabies. And so the vaccine is strongly, strongly, strongly recommended for every horse. I know we're talking about vaccines, but that leads me to ask the next question. So we (laughs) we had... On rabies, we had a raccoon that was in my horse's stall on our first farm, and it was in the rafter right above the horse's head when we came out in the morning. So we brought the horse out of there. I shot the raccoon because it didn't look good. And then we had to do the whole bring it in. I didn't cut its head off. We brought the whole thing in. Um, Is it the brain tissue they have to test, by the way? Is that why you have to bring the head in? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we test the brain tissue. Okay, to got it. There's um, the rabies virus in there. So the horse had the rabies vaccine and everything, but yet they still quarantined the horse and, you know, everything. We had to quarantine everything. The state came out and all of that. And any and the two horses that were so, beside each of that horse's stall also were quarantined. Why do we still have to quarantine if they have the vaccine? Um, no vaccine is 100%. And the thing about rabies is that it kills people. So we take that, that disease very, okay, there's very, that. very seriously. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, so what generally happens is if you can prove, and by prove we mean that a veterinarian has given your rabies vaccine, um, that your horse has been vaccinated, uh, at least in the state of Florida. Now every state varies, but your horse would be vaccinated again for rabies. So no matter what. Um, yeah, they did I would that. come out, revaccinate your horse right then, and the quarantine would be 10 days. It's not a significant quarantine. It's just a, in case there was a break in this vaccine, it's going to take about 10 days. It's actually going to take about five days for the horse to show it. The way we do quarantines is we sort of double that time frame. So we would quarantine your horse for about 10 days. As long as everything looks good at that point, everybody would be released and you could then go on to breathing and living life normally. Okay, so the the quarantine, uh, you've got this horse that you think has rabies. You, as a human, you've seen the, your, your farm manager calls you and goes, ah, you know what? I think your horse is colicking. You come out. You're like, oh, I don't know. Let me call my friend who knows a lot about horses. And she comes out and she sees the horse. And then you're like, yeah, we got to call the vet. So then the vet comes out, the vet assistant comes out. And then all of a sudden you've got five people that are surrounding Mm -hmm. this potentially rabid horse, which of course nobody knows is potentially rabid. What happens to those people in this? Because you go, okay, the horse has rabies, um, you know, or we think it has rabies. What happens to the humans? Do they get to go live their life or are they quarantined too? <laughs> they, well, usually we can control people from biting other people. Not <laughs> always, but <laughs> okay. usually. So we're not putting them usually. in a stall for six months? So, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but with people, what we then do is we, you go to, uh, typically your county health department has the shots on hand at all times. 
um, and you get what we call the prophylactic series for rabies. So in your belly, right? you get a three shot series. Uh, luckily, no more. It's it's oh. more of like a flu shot. Yay. Um, okay. I will tell you, having been vaccinated for rabies, um, we're required to be vaccinated during vet school. Um, having been vaccinated, it, it is a, a vaccine that is relatively painful for a few days, but that's better than getting rabies. So I'll take it. I've always said that too, you know, you've got your vet comes out you, in rabies is typically an elective thing. I elect to do it because I live in Arizona and it's not that I'm worried about a mountain lion coming in and biting my horse, you know, but I am worried about the bats. You know, we do have a yeah. lot of bats that kind of fly overhead. So I always worry about that. So I vaccinate and people always go, Oh, it's okay. You know, I'll just, I'll say it's $20 versus death. You know, I mean, right. to me, it's a very sensible vaccine to get 20 bucks or death. But what I am curious about, and, and this is a question for all vaccines, you give the rabies, you know, say once a year to dogs. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. there's a big problem that dogs, small dogs get the same dose as big dogs, which get the same dose as horses and humans, I think, even get the same vaccines, even though I had to pay $350 for mine. It's ridiculous. I, I know. Is that crazy? Vet. But anyways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, let me get started here. <laughs> uh, but so, uh, oh, my horse needs a vaccine. He needs his rabies shot. He got it once a year. He gets it last year. Do, okay. Why am I vaccinating my horse every 365 days to the T? Like, don't, is there, is there a window of like the vaccine at 365 days goes, eh, I'm not going to work anymore. Or is this just a guess? Should you do titers? Should we in inject that into your, to your, uh, you know, stable management plan? Explain that. Yeah. So your horse is getting vaccinated for rabies in particular every 365 days because he has a crappy immune system and that's just what horses do. Okay. Um, the, the rabies vaccine is, is good in horses. The research tells us for about 14 months. I don't know about you, but I can't do anything on a 14 month schedule. Like that's not going to work well for me. So yeah. I, I need my life easy. Um, so once a year works well. <laughs> um, so that's why on horses for that vaccine, um, we can do a titer for rabies. Uh, we recommend that on horses who respond, um, you know, there's a the group of horses that you give a vaccine and they just, they have horrible reactions. And we have two in my practice, so it's not terribly common, but, you know, it does happen. When we have titered those horses rather than vaccinating them, we honestly only get two years out of a rabies vaccine on those horses. So, uh -huh. you know, they still need to be vaccinated and it's still important. We just get a little bit longer out of them. Um, the okay. average horse is somewhere around 14 months. Now, the thing about the immune vaccines and the immune system to back up a little bit is that the what is in that shot is not actually calculated to the size of a horse. It is calculated to the responsiveness of the equine immune system. So a mini and a draft horse essentially have the same immune system. Um, so what we're doing is putting in um, a little bit of virus and saying, here's what you need to look for. And so that dose has been calculated to be the proper amount for, to get the attention of the equine immune system. Now, that immune system has a really bad memory. We can give an encephalitis vaccine and pull titers about seven months later and find that those titers have gone from being very high at two to three months 
to dropping precipitously starting at about six months. So if you are in an encephalitis area like Florida, like I said, we have it all the time. It is incredibly important that you vaccinate your horses every six months because their immune system forgets that we showed them this virus six months ago. And part of it is the, yeah. No, I'm just going to say that's the best explanation I've ever heard about vaccines because I always just wondered why, why do I have to do this again? Because the horses are really bad at vaccines. Oh my gosh. <laughs> really, I, really bad at it. <laughs> well, we have about two months of mosquitoes in Arizona. Um, being that I'm on a irrigated horse property, right about July and August, we get we get mosquitoes pretty fierce. So I always booster them right kind of at the start of the summer uh, for the West Nile virus and, and all of the encephalitis what? viruses are vaccines kind of come. Uh, at least once a year. So um, is the, is it important to, I guess not important. Are there things that people do differently in different parts of the country or is it a basic standard? Here's your card of vaccines that you have to give. We at the very minimum recommend Eastern encephalitis, Western encephalitis, tetanus, rabies, and West Nile. Uh, Every, well, we do the the West Nile and the EWT shot every six months here in Florida and the rabies once a year. Now, if you are not in the Gulf Coast states where we have mosquitoes all the time, you can certainly go to once a year vaccinations. Most people do that in the spring because that makes sense, like you just said, with mosquito season for most of the area. Now, if summer is lasting a little bit longer and you're seeing mosquitoes longer, then you really do want to vaccinate those horses twice a year. If it's a young horse, less than three years old, or an older horse, their immune system also starts to get a little senile. Um, you want to vaccinate them three times a year to make sure they're protected all the time. Because those, while they start forgetting at about six months in normal middle-aged horses, the young and the old forget sooner. Wow, so those okay. guys, we actually bump up. Yeah. Well, I have a horse that's so they, a lot of it has to do with the, yeah, the the kind of the exposure level that your horse will have. Gotcha, gotcha. And then, so so I have a horse that's twenty three, and he massively has started colicking every time he gets vaccines. And at this point, I'm kind of like, well, do I even vaccinate him anymore? Should I run titers? <laughs> what do you What do you recommend for that? Like, how old? Like when do you call it? When do you say okay? Like because to me, I'm like you know what? It's not worth <laughs> the colic that he, and, and pain he goes through to vaccinate vaccinate him anymore yeah. at this point. For those guys, we generally we try really hard to pre manage them for vaccines. We'll pre medicate them for a couple of days ahead of time with a little bit of anti inflammatories like butyrbanamine. Okay. Um, I sometimes we'll go to more powerful ones, but those can interfere with the vaccines as well. So I only use those in very specific cases. Um, You know, we'll spread out vaccines. We'll go down to a minimum. Those are the horses that we go down to absolute minimums on vaccines. You know, like we would do the EWT and the West Nile before your mosquito season. Mm -hmm. And we would hold off on the rabies and do it at a different time of the year. You can certainly titer those guys. Um, A little bit of the trick with the rabies, we know what the titer needs to be to be protective. What titers are measuring is basically how good was the body's response to the vaccine. Um, With the encephalitis and the West Nile, 
we don't necessarily have a great idea what the right answer is on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we know what the right answer is for some pretty serious challenges in a laboratory setting. So mm-hmm. if we take this horse and we directly inject West Nile virus, like, you know, boom, we take a big bunch of it and we put it right in there. We know what they need to protect against that. We don't have a good idea in the natural environment. So, okay. you know, we'll pull titers on those guys. It's not always very clear. And on a horse like that, that's colicking, you know, I may say like, yeah, let's pull some titers and see if we can get an answer for you. Okay, cool. So. Well, Dr. Latcher, what is your website? Uh, you're just such a pleasure to talk to. If people want to find out more about you or call you out to their farm, where can they find you? Uh, we are everywhere as Springhill Equine. So our website is springhillequine.com and you can find us on Facebook as Springhill Equine as well. Um, and our office cat, Tony, he's a great guy. He blogs on various topics every week and he just did a great blog on vaccines and went a little bit more into depth on some of the stuff that we've talked about. So, I'm sorry. Did you yeah, just say your, your office cat blogged about vaccines? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just check. He does. Just... He blogs every Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that yep. seems very normal. Okay. Very I busy. love it. springhillequine.com Dr. Erica Latcher thank you so much for joining us and I hope we get to talk again very soon you're very welcome you guys have a great day you too bye okay that sounds like a fun place to work Uh, (laughs) yeah I need to go find this cat sounds amazing do you know how to tell if your horse is a senior if you've guessed age you'd be wrong because not all horses age at the same rate so how do you know your horse has entered their golden years well you might notice gray or white hair around the eyes and muzzles weight loss low energy decline in dental condition or a choppier gait due to aches and pains if any of these describe your horse he or she might be a senior and might it might be a good time to start him or her on Purina Equine Senior or Equine Senior Active Horse Feed. They both have Active Age, a proprietary prebiotic proven through years of research to support a senior horse's aging immune system. With Purina Equine Senior, greatness never ages. To learn more, visit PurinaMills.com backslash Active Age. That's PurinaMills.com backslash Active Age. Well, right now, I'd like to bring on somebody that uh, we all know and love. She's the host of the Dressage Radio Show for many, many years, Reese Koffler-Stanfield. Hi, Reese. Good morning, you guys. How are you? Good. So, Reese, we're having you on because we have to congratulate you. Woo-hoo! I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is we're congratulating you for because I don't understand it. But, <laughs> but it sounds important. Now, you just got your USDF FEI certification, which apparently you're only one of seven trainers in the United States to be certified. Yes, that's what I did. I've been doing that the last basically week. Um, It's essentially a PhD in in training. Um, The USDF program, uh, they have multiple levels of certification. And uh, I was certified through fourth level uh, in 2004. Um, And then uh, they developed this FEI program, I think, two years ago. So I'm the third round of testers to go through, and uh, I don't know why I became the only one testing, but I was the only one that tested out of my group, um, and it's it's a difficult test to pass. It's um, through the uh, Intermediate One and Pre-St. George level. They don't have a Grand Prix level, um, and you have a written test, you have an oral test, and then a practical test. So Which was the hardest? I've been up to, well... <laughs> Uh, time out. I have, to, I have to 
I have to yeah. stop. Okay. First of all, this is a hell of a lot of dressage. Like that just sounds like a whole lot of geeky dressage stuff. So you've got a written test and, or, and I'm curious because I just went through the advanced course here at flags up and it sounds very familiar written oral and practical and the written test had questions, yeah. you know, kind of like your horse is doing this. What would you do for this? And what is, what is a, what is a written dressage test question? Give me an example. Yes. It's a, it, so, um, they give you, they have some, like if the horse is doing this, what should you do? Um, or if you're having a problem with this, how do you fix it? Or what are some strategies to fix it? So, uh, there were seven questions on the written, and I think I had seven questions on the oral. Um, you, you know, uh, my panel was uh, all either Olympians, five-star judges, or the head of the program. <laughs> so I had a three-panel judging. Um, so, you know, just even sitting in the room by yourself with those <laughs> those ladies <laughs> is uh, intimidating. Um, <laughs> so uh, I really, I had to, you know, I, I have, I've talked about it on our show, but I have um, for sure test anxiety. I think we all uh, Heck yeah. have different levels of that. Yeah. So I have strategies I use when I compete. Uh, so Kathy Connolly is, a, is a, one of my trainers and uh, I went to her. She is an examiner. She was not on my particular panel. And I said, I, I really need some help. I need some strategies to get through this. Uh, so I've been working kind of the last month on some good strategies on how to handle the nerves and how to handle the questions. Uh, so it's it's been a little bit of a process down here, um, but it was good. It, it's Did open. alcohol or marijuana <laughs> play a part in those strategies at all? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. You get yourself in yeah. trouble. They'll revoke it. No, I, my, like, a question on my exam was like the horse, you have a horse and it's rearing as it's leaving the barn. You know, so what is your strategy to deal with that? Are, are your questions like you have a horse that's not stepping underneath itself properly in a half pass? Like what, what is a question that you would have yeah. to answer? Similar, similar to that actually very question. Like there's a technical, you know, component to the questions or like, you know, describe the basics and why are those important in the FEI levels. So those were the type of question or if you're having problems in applying change, what are some strategies to, to fix that? You know, that's awesome. ironic, so, Reese, because uh, that's really ones. what you've been doing on the show for the last five years on the Dressage Radio Show. It was. You know, I, I'm not going to lie, though. I had to, like, dress up and sit in front of people. It's a little different <laughs> when I'm in my office with my yoga pants. <laughs> but it's been those kind of questions that you've been addressing with the audience for, for yeah. all those years. Yeah. We do get kind of geeky and technical on the dressage show um, because Philip and I are both, we're both trainers and we both do it every day, all day long. And so we can get a little technical and geeky, uh, but it was, it's always but fun. Can we call and, you Dr. Um, Reese now? Not, yeah. Gosh, that would be so nice. I'm going to ask them, like, I, we don't get letters. You don't get letters? Like need something. <laughs> you need something. No, I, I don't think they have that. I don't know why. I think the British Horse Society has that. Um, but I'd like to find out, but you know, it's always nice when you can sort of update your business cards and, and your website after you do something. So that that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. It'll be Reese Koffler-Stanfield, number seven. Dr. Reese. My dad's like, yeah, it's Dr. Reese. Yeah, I think Dr. Reese sounds great, but uh, I uh, unfortunately we don't, we don't get those. Well, you have but, a um, master's, uh, right? Was, don't you have a master's? I do have a master's. Yeah. I do have a master's in international commerce and diplomacy, ironically. Yeah. Uh, I use the diplomacy a lot in my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, 
horse trainer to diplomat. It's basically the same thing. You know, every <laughs> everybody that runs a barn in the horse world should have that degree, actually, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it, the, the, the diplomacy is, is really key. Um, yeah, an angry country, angry client. It's essentially the same thing. So, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it was, um, I, I really, no, you know, it isn't because the one can nuke you and the other doesn't have that ability. Well, maybe they do. I come to think exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It just depends. Yeah. Um, but it's really a great program. And, you know, I think it's like, Jamie, you just went through your program. I mean, these are really hard and, and I'm glad they're hard because they mean something. Um, right. but I would really encourage anybody out there. You can audit the programs if you're not participating, but really all the young trainers out there, should go um you know the uscf i think the uscea has the same um you know you get extra training you have to have your um uh cpr certification you have to participate in safe sport which is a usoc program for all trainers of you know all disciplines on how to handle different situations so it's not just the riding it's also some extra uh, things that you have to do that um you know if this is your profession i feel like I've got a little like PS, you know, PTSD from it, but um, it's it's a good thing, and and it's good, and it makes you better at your job. Well, see, and then that's the thing is, no matter what aspect of the horse world you want to be in, there is education available, and it's so frustrating to see so many people not seek out the education. I was at a horse trial this weekend, and I was watching a lot of things happen around me, and and it's it's stuff that was done to horses that that it comes from a very uneducated place. My daddy did it this way. So I do it this way, you know, kind of thing. The education is there. Now I I wanted to ask about your practical exam because my practical exam was to gentle a wild Mustang and get a halter on it, lead it in 30 minutes. What was your practical exam? I say yours probably a little fancier. A little different, a little different. Um, Yeah. I could not do what you did. I would just call you and say, Jamie, can you halter on it and call me in 30 days? But, um, (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe a year, but no. So, so my practical was, um, I had to teach two unfamiliar riders, um, a 45 minute lesson. And, uh, then you have to explain why you do what you do. And then, um, I had to ride a familiar horse. So, um, everybody on the show knows about hello. Um, hello, uh, was great. He, you know, it was nice to have my own horse and I gave him a pep talk the night before, like, come on, man, just, just do exactly <laughs> what I tell you. <laughs> just, just be really good tomorrow. I don't even care. Um, and then, uh, I ride an unfamiliar horse. So, uh, and again, you have 45 minutes and you have to decide, you know, what you're going to work on and, and how you're going to teach that person and, and that kind of stuff. So the time frame is, is, you know, there's a, a, a way you have to get what you need to do in 45 minutes. That's the hardest part. So, wow. that was, so what that was the horse that you didn't know? Like, uh, it was actually kind of a hot tamale. <laughs> It probably, it was a hot tamale. I, I would be honest. I, I, uh, it, it probably wasn't the most uh, appropriate horse for a testing situation, but it is what it is. You know, I, 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 I didn't organize the horses. So, um, but that was fine. I was able to sort of talk to them about what I was going to do and how I was going to do it and did it. And uh, I, I was happy to probably not ride that horse ever again. <laughs> well, fortunately, you won't have to, probably. It'll be coming to your house no, for training in two weeks. Uh, we're, they're sending it over. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's theoretically, it's actually. But, um, uh, yeah, so, uh, and then the riders were wonderful. I mean, uh, I try. I, I 
last week held a, the lunging workshop for what I call the baby instructors. They have to they have to learn to lunge properly and lunge a rider on a horse. So I was the demo rider and it was fun, you know. So if you ever get a chance to, you know, you're helping somebody out and they were great. I mean, they listened, they tried to do everything I said almost too well. You know, they tried so hard to help me. You know, they were they um one was my neighbor and one was the assistant across the street uh here in our neighborhood in Wellington and uh, you know, they were so sweet. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I need to buy you guys breakfast. <laughs> like, you were great. So, um, yeah, well, so it was a team effort and uh, it was cool. Well, congratulations, Reese. And if you want to listen to more of Reese, you can find her on the Dressage Radio Show. We are so privileged to have you as a host (laughs) now that you're a doctor and you're number seven. um, We're just going to call you number (laughs) Number seven seven. from now on and just do it that way. That's cool. I'm I'm great with that. But I hope everyone (laughs) can tune into our show. I think our show, um, we address a lot of problems and we try to address all levels. So even if you have a very green horse, we try to answer some questions for you. So. Well, congratulations. Good job. Thanks, That's guys. Awesome. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. Big for hug. Thanks. Congrats, Jamie. You too, girl. Congratulations. Oh, Great job. You're my hero. <laughs> we need to have a drink together on that one. <laughs> Come on. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Bye, Reese. You guys have a great day. Well, you, you know. You can't talk to her and not smile. I know. So you know. It sits that way in the show, too. And they really do get, you know, pretty deep. That's one of the shows that actually does do training. (laughs) Yeah, but you like I can understand it, and I'm not a full fledged dressage rider. I'm a dressage piddler. I'm not a dressage (laughs) anything, being a horse husband, and I even understand some of it. So you tune out. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Reese and Philip does a good job too. Philip really does a good job of bringing it down to earth, um, because boy, dressage can be very complicated. Do you know what happened when Jennifer was gone for five days here? Um. Everything fell apart. No, actually, I the horses survived. Uh, there is no injuries by the time she got back, so I was all good there. They might be a little fatter because I tend to feed a little more. But uh, boxes kept showing up. Now, I Busted. thought y- you guys were supposed to time that so that the, the horselovers.com boxes don't come when uh, you're gone. Uh, that didn't happen. They came. <sighs> I know, and this, but the thing is with horse lovers, there's a new sale every day. Like right now, there's a 94% off name brand clearance. And that sounds very obscure, but like you look it up, you're like, oh my God. So like whether be the saddle pads, the like super nice cushiony ones that are like 50 bucks are on sale for $20. The, there's stable blankets and, and turnout rugs. The medium turnout blanket is from a hundred down to 50. Um, there's performance tights and heavy blankets and heavy blankets are really expensive and they're over 60% off. So you have to, Ooh, time to get a fly sheet. I know it's time. It's hold on. I got to click this. Okay. Carry on. So, um, (laughs) this is what happens, Glenn. You make us look at this. Do you know what showed up while she was gone? A saddle showed up. (laughs) Now, that's usually a topic of There discussion. was no negotiations about a saddle. There, we just bought a horse trailer, and now their saddle shows up. And then, you know how she gets away with it? 
because the saddle is a little tiny pony saddle for my pony. Apparently, she found a little uh, little one in the neighborhood to ride my pony, who, by the way, I don't know that's ever been ridden before. So that could be interesting. But uh, yes, yeah, she... Just please video this. Yes. Just whatever you do. <laughs> if please. you want to see a hackney pony being ridden. We were told, though, her pony had been ridden, but then we were told a lot of things about that starving pony when we got him. So that could be interesting. But yes, yeah, so how could I argue that the it was for my pony so somebody could ride him and keep him in shape and, you know, give him a better job than I can right now with my hurt wing? So what am I going to do? What can I say? Yeah, it's yeah. pretty much your... Oh, I need yeah. this cross-country It's pen. my fault. Well, Apparently, it was my fault we had to buy another saddle. Well, it's you know what? When they to. bought the pony, when you bought the pony, it was such a disaster and such a mess and I so the pony skinny. Was a disaster, scooter. The, yeah. yeah, the pony was a disaster. Scooter was so skinny and everything that they probably did ride him because he couldn't do anything because he was so weak. That's probably true. So I would true. think now, please be careful. The yes, Roma exactly. Cross Country Impact Saddle Pad. I needed this for last weekend. It's on sale for $27 from 50 Well, they have a ton of Western stuff on sale, too. They have the, the uh, Abetta Saddle Pads for $23. I mean, you know, just... Uh, Crazy. Well, check it out, horselovers.com, and please order when you're going to be home and your husband is not, because it's traumatic. Yeah, when does he take it next? It's less discussions that way, I'm just saying. You know, what you could do is, if you have a neighbor that is also a horse chick, you guys could ship things to each other and be like, oh, I got Cindy's package again. I don't know how that happened, and Cindy, like, (laughs) hey, I got yours. Okay, cool. Let's swap out. Hey. You're welcome. Hey, a couple Saving of marriages. That's what we do here on the show. We save marriages. Jamie Send was at a neighbor. show over the weekend with her Mustang Zeus. And uh, before we get to that, though, a couple of housekeeping things. One is we will not have a show tomorrow. There'll be no show because it is the fifth Thursday of the month. And we don't have a show. On, we don't have anything to do on the fifth Thursday of a month. So it only happens twice a year. And so there's no show tomorrow. We'll be back on Friday with really bad ads. So get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. And we also want to quickly congratulate Vicki Wilson, one road to the horse again. Now, she is the show jumping rider out of New Zealand, amazing trainer of all kinds of wild horses around the world, including Mustangs and Brumbies and all different kinds of things. And her sisters are just delightful, too. There's three of them. They have a TV show down there that's very popular. And this was her second year to win. And she beat Jan James. She beat Nick Dower. So she beat two of the best in the cult starting world. Everybody thought Dan was going to win at the finals, but because he just he looked like he had a better two rounds than she did, but she came out on top for the second year in a row, $100,000 taking home to New Zealand for the second year. So congratulations to her. And boy, those Western trainers must, <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking after two years in a row, the English girl wins. Oh, uh, that's so cool. So cool. So, well, uh, I mean, they're all great people. So, uh, from what I understand, so, um, congratulations, yeah. girl power. <laughs> Speaking of girl power, how'd you do with your Mustang over the weekend? Oh my gosh. First now, this of is all, a Mustang that she got and she trained. So, yes. yes. So, I, I adopted Zeus from the prison program in Carson City, Nevada. So, the Northern yes, Nevada Correctional Center. Yes, he was a prisoner. Yes. He was born uh, from a pregnant mare that was captured, rounded up and captured, and he was born at the prison. So he spent his entire life in a holding pen, which is why it's so frustrating to me that such amazing horses are sitting in holding pens all over the world, uh, or all over the country. So anyway, 
let me not get started on that. Um, so uh, I took him in, and he's done two beginner novices, but very sporadic. We haven't competed uh, a whole lot with him as far as these recognized horse trials go. I've done some of the local stuff, but he's done two beginner novices in the last two years. So he's not really uh, fresh on <laughs> on eventing, but we went and... Um, I went to the dressage. So, uh, so I think what's really fun about Mustangs uh, so far that I've noticed is both of the ones that I have, you take them to a horse show and they're calm, you know, which is, as Chad says, this must be so, Chad, my husband says, it must be so fun for you to get on a horse and take it to a show and not be scared for your life. And it is it's a little it's different so than when you bring the thoroughbreds right out of the box there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I've had some and not all thoroughbreds are like, but I've had some serious crazies in the past and, and to train and <laughs> yeah. And so it's kind of nice to have a not crazy every once in a while, you know, mix sprinkle in a little, not crazy. So we went in for dressage and oh my gosh. So, so he's funny because he hates, he utterly hates dressage. Just hates it to the point where if you do too much dressage, he pins his ears, he kicks out, he just gets super grumpy. And so I've learned through like the little schooling shows I've done. Don't warm him up. Just don't warm him up. So you, t I, I, I like, I will go out there to the warm up arena five minutes before I'm supposed to go in. Let me tell you that this does not make the gate steward very happy. <laughs> As they're calling you your name them. over and over and over They've again. They've been calling your name for 20 minutes. <laughs> Jamie, Zeus, where are you? Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. And then I finally get there. Where have you been? <laughs> like, God, sorry, I should have told you that. I was going to not come until two minutes before I go. They're like, you have two minutes. I'm like, perfect. That's great. So I took Susan and the first, like the first canner I do is in my test. And again, this is just what you learn by, you know, having these horses and figuring out, you know, the, the thoroughbreds would need 30 minutes of dressage before they were ready to go in and him, no, don't want to do it. And so he went in and put in the dang best test we have ever had. He was soft. He was supple. He was listening. He was forward. He was well behaved. He, he got his leads and I got like literally the worst score I've ever gotten. <laughs> like the worst I got a score and I think everybody else was like 12 to 15 points higher except for one person. So out of 10 in my division, I was ninth and the 10th rider had about four points less than me, like four points more. Cause it's reversed in eventing the dressage scores. So you want the lowest score possible. And I think I had like a 36 and the next rider had a 41 or 42 and she went off course twice. <laughs> that's really sad. And so I got out of there and I was like, man, Chad was like, that was so good. I'm like, thanks. It was so amazing. We get the score. He's like, what? How could you be in ninth place? It was so good. Blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I was riding in the open division with, with I all think the Chad thinks there was some Mustang bigotry going on. He did. He did say that he was like, they were snotty because you were riding a Mustang. And I was up against all the professionals in the area and, and the professionals usually have fairly uh, nice horses they're bringing along. So no, I'll just tell you this. He's the only Mustang in my division <laughs> and he's got that freeze brand to prove it. So I, I, I was happy with it and I didn't really care what, what place he was in. I mean, I felt like it should have been better, but you know what? We've, Whatever. I know I know what I had, which was better than anything I've had before. 
So uh, then you have to go to show jumping afterwards. And we get this crazy windstorm, Glenn. Like, windstorm so bad that these beautiful standards in the show jump arena are getting knocked over. Like while people are jumping their courses, they're having to blow the whistle and stop them because they're having to go out and set up the jumps again. They've got sandbags on everything. Finally, they ended up having to take the big, beautiful standards out because they were catching too much wind and they just put little pole standards up to get people to at least jump out there. And so it was really, really windy. We're talking massive gust, Arizona windstorm, because this is down in Tucson. And um, horses in the warm-up were going crazy. You know, the, everything I have that around. audio a little bit. And it's, uh, I don't know if we'll be able to hear what Lucas says, but do you want me to play it? Your uh, son? Just real quick, I'll okay. tell you that um, owning a Mustang in a windstorm is the greatest thing ever. Because you know what he did? We had, we had like a 20 minute delay while they were resetting up jumps. He stood, put his butt to the wind and dropped his head. <laughs> Which is what I was like, yes! are supposed to do. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. So yeah, here's, here's the audio of me going out I and starting cross country. And... No, this isn't cross country. This was show oh, jumping. I mean, sorry, show yeah. jumping. Okay. You said that first jump. That first jump is so stupid. <laughs> I knocked it down. You that could first hear the jump rail is so fall. So stupid! It jumped right out in front. <laughs> Everybody knocked over the first jump because it was a round. It was a br very bright vertical, and it was coming towards the the gate. Like the gate was five feet to the right, so the horses just didn't even see the jump. They just thought they were cantering back to the end gate, you know. Uh, so yeah, you, you knocked it over, and I loved that audio. And so apparently la later on, I knocked down another one, and he was like, "That one too." <laughs> Yeah. He did so very he well, up, though. He really did. He was so great, and he was so fast, and he was a little bit out of control. But we had three rails in the stadium. But you know what? Live and learn. It was his first novice, and that's a six-inch jump from where we've been, you know, basically. So I, I was really, really pleased with how he show jumped. He just doesn't look at anything. He's not scared of anything. Um, and then we had the next day we had cross country and this is where Zeus shines. In my opinion, this is what he loves to do the most, but there's some big, when you jump from beginner novice to novice on a horse, that's really green at the level. And that's what I've kind of noticed with him is he was just green at everything. Just in show jumping, he was looking at things, the announcer, and then he's galloping by and the jumps are colorful and he's over jumping. He's not jumping, kicks him over. Uh, so, I, but again, super proud because this is a, a starting a jumping off point. But we go for cross country and the first, the rider before me goes out and I'm waiting behind the start box and they've got this, this is in Tucson. This is a brand new horse trial called Southern Arizona horse trials. And the rider before me goes out and fence number one, they just, they really, they made the first three fences the hardest on the entire course. And then the rest were, you could kind of get into a rhythm, but the first one was a very vertical upright with white rocks in the box on top of it. So it was like a box jump with white rocks. And 
horses just went up to it and they're cantering up to like, Oh, just a box. And then they get up to it and they see these white rocks down in them, which I don't know what they think they are, but the horse in front of me thought they were monsters and refused. And she takes nine minutes to loop around and come back to it. The horse stops again. The horse stops again, but partially jumped it, like almost flipped over it. And I'm watching this as I'm waiting for my turn. And that is so stressful. And I'd walk the course with Barb Crabo and she was like, don't say, whoa, to this jump, just kick, 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 just ride, 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 ride. And so that's what I did. I came out of the start box and I rode, 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 rode. And he got up to the first jump and he stopped dead. And I was like, shoot. And then boom, he jumps it. Which of course, as you, as a rider, when your horse stops and then jumps a three foot fence from a standstill, doesn't make your position very good. So <laughs> jump the first jump and his butt, when it came up in the air, then threw me onto his neck and I still had one foot in the stirrup and I'm sitting on his neck and then he bolts. <laughs> so I jumped, land on his neck and he bolts and I can hear the announcer because the announcer was a guy who really shouldn't have had a microphone because he felt like he had to fill time. And he's like, Jamie on Zeus, the Mustang. Zeus the Mustang, he's a real Mustang, people, a reclaimed dog. That's right. He's a Mustang, and Jamie is right. This is the first ever Mustang to ever compete in cross-country ever, people, the first one. And I'm thinking, Elisa Wallace is going prelim this weekend on her. Shut up. And uh, Chad videoed it, but he, he won't let me play it because he's like, shut up, dude. The whole time all he's doing is telling the announcers, shut up. So then I jumped this fence, and the announcer's right there, and he's got his microphone. Phone and in the audio, you can hear, Wow, look at that <laughs> jump, Jamie. Oh my god, you almost got unseated. Mind you, I can hear him, okay? <laughs> and he bolts, and I'm like sitting on his neck. And the next jump is the second scariest jump, which is a long ramp with cactuses like brightly painted on the base of it. And we go up to that jump, and I just got my stirrup back, like three seconds before this and Zeus just catapults over it, flies over it. The third fence is a huge table catapults over that. And I finally was like, dude, and now I'm thank God I'm out of the announcer earshot because he was completely making fun of me, shaming all of us. And he shamed everybody. When the girl got eliminated in front of me, the announcer goes, Oh man, she's from Benson, Arizona. She better go back to Benson and keep practicing back. Good to the Lord. They want anybody to come back to this show. It was crazy. Uh, and everybody complained about him and I'm sure he won't be out announcing anymore. He saw, had the voice of Norm McDonald, like, Oh, Jamie, there you go. You're it's falling off his neck there. Uh, it was just awful. Anyway. So then I get out of earshot and like, okay, Zeus, calm down. And there was a six stride combination next. And Zeus, as we've discussed, has a shorter stride. So Mike, I walked it with Barb and she's like, under no circumstances, get this in a six. You can get this in a seven because it will set you up nicely for the next one. You've got a turn and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, we're going to go for a seven. So I'm woeing on the way, but he starts to back off and I'm like, okay, add a little like that horse jumps the first fence and bolts and almost got five strides. In the seventh stride, it was, I was like, whoa, it was out of control. So the whole course was like this. It was super fast. Oh my God, it's really scary. Super fast. Oh my God, it's really scary. But by God, we got through the whole entire thing 
not one foot wrong aside from almost flying off at the first jump and he went clear double clear Yay. we went from ninth place up to eighth place <laughs> you weren't That's last right. I did not finish in last and I got a ribbon. Yay. <laughs> He's like, get ribbons to eighth. And I'm like, I, we had to wait around. You have to wait for the scores. I was already packed. Zeus was in the trailer waiting for this ribbon. They give me the ribbon. I'm like, God, this is the hardest way to earn a ribbon in the horse world. And I'm watching this Arabian horse show go on next door. And people have 47 ribbons hanging from their stall door. And I'm like, this is BS. I need more ribbons for this work. It's too hard. <laughs> but he was so good. And I was so pleased. And we only can go up from here. And there you go. That is Zeus the Mustang and his very first novice, which was an utter bucket list item for me. That's what I've wanted to do Yay. the whole time. Chad, he was like, all at the end, ribbons. did the announcer say, wow, he did a great job. She can go home with her head high. No, he definitely <laughs> did not. I actually came across the finish line and Jamie and Zeus the Mustang after the first jump, I didn't think they'd get through. Well, here they are crossing the finish it's line. It's always great to have a negative announcer at a horse show. Oh, it's always <laughs> One girl fell off in show jumping and she slid down the neck and pulled the bridle off. And he's Oops. like, wow, you really should have tightened your throat latch. I can't believe your horse's oh bridle came God. off. Maybe stay oh off. God. We were all like, oh my gosh. Uh, John Kyle guy. maybe ought to do classes on how to denounce the horse. I'm like, turn his microphone off. You don't shave It was riders. probably the, the lady who runs its husband. It's probably what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was the husband of the girl in first place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Let's see if we can get uh, Tara Carter on here. I don't know if she's going to be available or not. So we're going to we're going to give it a try. She's I'm not talking gonna, to you. I'm just, you know, after this weekend, she might not be able to talk at all. She's the one that did the Road to the Horse coverage. But she has something fun coming up that we're helping sponsor. So we're hoping to get her on to talk about that. If not, we'll get her on a different day. <clears throat> she has three kids. So. Little ones. Um, so she might be busy with them, too. She's been gone for a while. All right. I'm not, I'm not finding her. So what she has coming up is a Ranch Horse Weekend. And we're, uh, there's some questions from some of the listeners on this. It is on July, or June, 30, or June 29th through July the 1st. And <clears throat> there's all kinds of things going on. This is in New Mexico, Clovis, New Mexico. And uh, what, what it's going to be involved is some dinners, some horsemanship with her husband, who's a well-known trainer, uh, some cattle working dynamics. They're going to teach you how to work cattle. And then they're going to actually go out the day after you learn to work cattle with your own horse. You can bring your own horse to this. Uh, they're going to actually do out, go out. They have a little place, you know, thousands of acres. They're going to go <laughs> out <clears throat> and gather some cattle. And then in the afternoon, do an actual trail ride through, through the area of New Mexico where they live is just incredible. So, oh my God! It's like a dude ranch. It is. For, it's like city slickers. Horse. Yes, but you're going to bring your own horse. Uh, Jennifer and I are going to be there. I will not be riding. Jennifer will. Um, I'm going to be on the chuck wagon helping cook dinner the one night. So now there will be a professional with me. So you're probably not going to get sick. Um, but yeah, so they have these. It, it's a whole weekend they have planned. They have some accommodations there. They have a casita and a couple of casitas there that you can stay in. I don't know. Are they like little little cabins? Casitas, <laughs> a fancy cabin. A fancy cabin. Okay, so they have some casitas you can stay in. There's hotels nearby. I'm going to try and get her back on. Um, she had something come up this morning, I'm sure. We'll try and get her on Friday so that she can give us all the details on airports and how to sign up and all of that, pricing and everything. So we'll we'll work on that for Friday. 
One other thing I wanted to mention before we get to the book, our continuing reading of the book, is that we have, uh, Wendy and I recorded yesterday a special episode that we're going to put out on all the feeds, on all the Horse Radio Network feeds, on Lyme disease. It had been about five years where we did a special episode on Lyme disease and people and horses, mostly focusing on people, because most horse people end up exposed to it at some point or another, and some get really sick. I know a lot of our listeners listen to this show have had their whole family sick from Lyme disease. And I, and me too. You know, I have chronic Lyme disease, so I'm interested in where it's been. So we, we spoke to somebody from uh, LymeDisease.org, which is the patient advocacy group. And there we went over what's changed in the last five years since we did that episode, which is still one of our most downloaded episodes ever. Uh, so we talk about what's changed, where we're at now, wh- where we're going in the future, insurance-wise, uh, CDC-wise, uh, testing-wise, treatment-wise. We went through everything. And then Wendy does a whole thing on horses and Lyme disease, which, of course, is very prevalent on the East Coast. So that's going to be coming out by the end of the week. And look for that on all the different feeds if you're at all interested in that. And if you if you live anywhere in the United States, you probably should be. Last time we did one of these shows, I heard from a bunch of people in the UK. Apparently, it's a big problem over there as well in people and horses. So it's spreading and it is a situation and it's it's a very sad disease for those of us that have it. So that will be coming out later in the week. Did we miss anything? I think you nailed it. I think we're good. Do you want to do the book? Let's do it. All right, because you're out of flag. It's up. You have to go to work. You have a job to do. I'm actually, this is nice because I've missed the morning mucking out. I am an intern here at Flag is Up, by the way. That's what I'm doing here. I've started my internship. And yesterday I mucked like 10 stalls, 12 stalls, and I raked for like 40 minutes. And then I picked a poop in the round pin and I brought I people I thought tech. you were supposed to be, I thought you're supposed to be training horses as an intern. Oh, well, I think I'll do more today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but interns pick up poop. That's what we do. I'm like a working student. Look how far you've come in life. <laughs> we're going to start a movie. It's called The 40-Year-Old Intern. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be hobbling around with a cane trying to kick, pick up poop. Uh, keeping up with the 20-year-olds. All right. Thank you, everybody. We, as I said, we'll be dark tomorrow, but back live on Friday with some really bad ads. Get them into Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. I have no idea even what the prize was this month. We'll, we'll find out on Friday. And uh, we got a book that we're continuing to read, and we are on chapter what chapter are we on? 24. 24. The Opium Equation is the first of the Cat and Wright mystery series written by Lisa Wysocki. It features Cat and Wright, a Tennessee Appaloosa horse trainer, Darcy Whitcomb, teenager with a trust fund, Bubba Henley, a budding juvenile delinquent, and John Gardner, a mysterious barn manager. And of course, there's Sally Blue. Thank you to the publisher, Cool Titles, for allowing us to read this book. If you want to read ahead, all four books in the series are available in stores and online everywhere or at lisawysaki.com. Chapter 24 As soon as my alarm rang, I tried to call Deputy Giles, but the line was busy. Just after I hung up, the phone rang. Looking back, it would have been infinitely better if I had waited to answer that call until I had talked with the deputy. But then foresight had never been one of my virtues. I quickly did the morning feeding. The nozzle had come off Sally's automatic water, so I put 
a bucket of fresh water in her stall and added a scoop of powdered cherry-flavored electrolytes just in case she was coming down with a bug. Electrolytes were like Gatorade for people, and cherry was a favorite flavor of many horses. Agnes would be devastated if anything happened to the mare, so I actually would too. I wrote another long, sincere, and apologetic note for John and checked Sally one more time. Instead of drinking her water, she had buried her nose in the bucket almost up to her eyeballs and was blowing bubbles. Then she lifted her head to look at me and repeated the process. Maybe she didn't like the smell or the taste of the electrolytes, I thought, although she never seemed to notice anything different when I had added them to her water in the past. If Sally was, as others had suggested, giving me a message, I had no clue what it could be. Concern for Sally was added to my already heavy list of worries, but it wasn't enough to override my growing concern for Bubba. I remembered an early morning phone call, ducked out of the barn, jumped in John's vintage Toyota Camry. Well, he did always leave his keys hanging in the office as my truck was still in the shop. A few thin rays of sun shone on the wet grass along the sides of the road, and when I reached my destination, the low brick building seemed to shimmer in a hazy glow, almost like a mystical vision from the past. But a friendly wisp of smoke curled from the chimney, and beyond the chimney lay a flower garden, which, in spite of our cold weather, was beginning to send fragile shoots skyward. I wonder who cared for the flowers, and I remembered that last summer there were tubs of begonias and patience and marigolds that sent brilliant cascades of color tumbling onto the paved yard. Climbing roses and peonies planted decades ago thrived under someone's watchful hand. We need to talk, Opal had said on the phone. It sounded more like a summing than a request, but I had planned to speak with her today anyway. Now was as good a time as any. When I reached Opal's room, there was a nurse with her, assisting her into her wheelchair. I'm sure I don't know, Miss Sanders, Opal said as she struggled to sit. It ought to have made me feel better. You gave me two of the blue pills and one red capsule. It should have been one blue and two red. She waited while the unfortunate Miss Sanders checked the chart and confirmed that she had indeed given Opal the correct medication. Opal nodded, frowned, and said a few more sharp words, then dismissed the young woman. It seems strange to be with Opal again, and I glanced involuntary at the, the portrait of Colonel Sam. I expected it to look different, but it didn't. For some reason, I thought the painting should reek of death, his death, Glinda's death, but it didn't. It looked the same as it had before. I guessed I was just nervous. I sincerely hoped Opal wasn't going to have one of her bad spells. It had been difficult enough without him there, and I didn't know if I could handle such a scene on my own. I peeked into the hallway and was reassured to see Miss Sanders at a desk that was within shouting distance. I sat tentatively on the gold plastic chair. Opal's eyes were bright, and as I looked closer, I saw that the brightness came from rage. Color dappled her cheeks and her lips were clamped tight with anger. Miss Opal, are you all right? Is there something I can help you with? Yes, she said shortly. I understand you're poking your nose into my Galinda's murder. It took a moment before I realized that's what she was angry about. You need to stop right now, today, she demanded, waving an arthritic hand wildly about her face. If possible, she looked more shriveled and gnome-like than she had a few days ago. Must be hard to lose a child no matter what the age of the child is when they pass. I heard from that Watson woman over at the cemetery. I thought I was done with her, nosy bitch. And it's historical cemetery, you know. So I had to know, she had to know which of their illustrious skeletons my Glenda was related to so we could bury her there. Of all the nerve. And our plots have been bought and paid for for more than 50 years. But I told her, and I told her and you to keep quiet about it. But she had a visitor. It was you from the description. Opal looked at me accusingly. 
a big fat poo on Penny Watson. What business was it of hers if I ask a few questions? I opened my mouth to speak, but Opal jumped in ahead of me. All those years she spat, all those years of respectability and peace of mind. Her eyes darted like an angry bull. I thought that it was forgotten, she said. I thought we had stopped it, that we had finally laid it all to rest. But I was wrong, wrong, and now you're going to stir it all up again. And to what purpose? It's only going to cause pain, too much pain. You laid what to rest, Miss Opal? I don't understand. All Penny told me was that you were the daughter of Alice Giles Henley. For all I knew, half the country was related to that woman. I couldn't see the crime in that. Penny also mentioned that there was a scandal in connection with the woman, but I got the feeling that now was not quite the right time to bring that up. Hush your mouth. Don't you think you've caused us enough trouble? Miss Opal, I'm sorry if I've upset you. Please tell me what you're talking about because I don't understand. Opal made a snort of disgust. Then she began shaking, trembling violently. A vein throbbed in her temple, and all I could think of was that she was going to have a stroke. Not to be selfish, but I couldn't handle another dead person quite so soon. This was the one thing I was sure of. But then neither could her grandson. When I'd seen Adam at the funeral yesterday, he was so pale and drawn that he looked like a candidate for a rest home himself. You need to let sleeping dogs lie. Opal said, her face the color of beets. If you must dredge up old scandals, wait until I'm dead. Give me that at least. At this rate, you won't have to wait long. And if I don't, and if you don't, whatever truth you find, I promise you on my grave that I'll say you're wrong. And I'll tell the world that you made it up. And I'll fight you till my dying day, in court and out. But more importantly, I'll ruin you. I may be an old lady, but I know people. Just whose horses do you think you'll be training after I'm done with you? Well, now I knew where Glenda got her repertoire of threats. She'd been taught them by her mother. I looked away from Opal's angry, demanding stare. Beyond the small window, I saw a tiny redwood tool shed. The door to the shed was open, and inside I could see a series of rake, shovels, and other gardening tools neatly lined up against the wall. In the center of the shed, there was a large piece of equipment, possibly a tractor, neatly covered by a bright blue tarp. An older gentleman, indistinguishable between resident or staff, was puttering around inside, moving small pots one shelf to another. My mysterious gardener. I turned back to Opal. If I stop, will you tell me why it's so important that I don't continue? Not just for me, but for Bubba Henley. He's missing. If I understand what's going on, I might be able to find him. Her face distorted into an ugly mask. You're being ridiculous. That boy will show up on his own. Mark my words. Forget about him. Now, I don't want to talk any more words to you, but think about what I said. I meant every word. I believed her. I got up and moved towards the door. But Miss Opal, please, if you can just tell me why. Because I said so, she spat and said, as I stepped towards the hall. Isn't that enough? I'm old, too old to live down another scandal. All I'm asking is that you leave me alone. I escaped down the hallway, passing Miss Sanders' desk on the way. She gave me a baleful stare, stare and I knew exactly who was going to be the next victim of the wrath of Opal Dupree. Miss Saunders knew it, too. The phone was ringing when I got home. I was too upset to talk, so I let the machine pick it up. Oh, cat! I just heard, squealed my effervescent client, Agnes. How ghastly for you. Your neighbor bludgeoned to a bloody death mere inches from your happy home. I've been meditating the last few days, dear, and I spoke with two of my dearly departed husbands at this time, and they both got along amazingly well. Amazingly. Hopefully Ira will join us next time, but he's always a little shy, poor dear. Anyway, I didn't rejoin the real world until this morning. It's hideous, absolutely hideous. I wasn't sure if Agnes was talking about Glenda's murder meditation, her departed husband's shyness, or the real world. I pictured Agnes, hands flying as she talked, the sparkle in her eye, her outlandish wardrobe. 
And I smiled. And you're trying to help the police solve the case. That is so like you to get involved like that. I read it in the paper, so I know it must be true. It's just below the picture of the calf triplets on page three. Aren't they just the cutest things you've ever seen? Holstein's, it says they are just adorable. By the way, did you know you're never supposed to kick a cow chip on a hot day? My neighbor's nephew told me that. Said things get real messy if you do. Anyway, I'm calling to let you know I'm sending you a trench coat. Black. If you don't have one, do you, dear? I don't think so. But I do know that you can't do your best to help the police unless you're properly dressed. It'll arrive later today, I think. Now, please, please, please do let me know if I can help. Oh, and but I don't know what I could do. There was silence for a moment while Agnes, bless her heart, was trying to think. I debated picking up the phone, but decided not. She'd keep me there for hours. I know, she finally shouted. I can lead a pep rally in front of the police station and encourage the troops. Show my support. Gracious me, I'll have to get pom-poms, won't I? And I'm not sure where I might find those. Oh, the yellow pages. That's it. I'll get it all organized here and I'll call you back. Toodles! I almost laughed. Pom-poms, a pep rally? Won't Sheriff Big Jim love that one? The imagery that that conjured up was worth at least one national championship. If I had the slightest inkling that Agnes could get organized enough to pull it off, I'd call her back and dissuade her. But I knew Agnes. She'd never make it past the pom-poms. Thank God. I returned John's car keys to the office and sat in the one good chair, the one Glenda had commandeered for the last hours of her life. Opal Dupree was a very determined lady, and in one way she was country as mud, but in another she was the shrewdest woman I'd ever met. Whatever the scandal was, or had been, I wouldn't find it out from her, and if she had any say in the matter, no one would find it out from me because I would never learn what it was. I know, had no doubt that Opal could and would carry out each and every one of her threats. Opal not only had a great many contacts in the Nashville area, she had them across the country. Probably she had them across the globe. I was sure there were more than a few big shots in the banking, government, media, and business who own, owed Miss Opal one last favor. I wandered out into the aisle and wondered what life would be like if I were mistrusted and disliked. What would I do if I didn't have a stable? If I couldn't be around the horses I loved like family? It wouldn't be pleasant. Probably I couldn't afford to live here anymore. My little worn-out house and my battered barn entered my thoughts. Much of my feelings for the place came from all the hard work I'd put into it. Seven years. Not a lifetime by any means, but time enough. I rubbed an inquisitive Gigi on her shiny chestnut forehead. I liked my life just the way it was, but I knew I couldn't live with myself if I let Opal run me out of town. I also couldn't live with myself if I didn't do everything I could to find Bubba. And that was one thing I knew Opal Dupree did not want me to do. My mind made up. I raced back into the office and called Deputy Giles. This time, I got him. 